Podcast with your host, Dave Neal. What's up, everybody? It's Dave Neal, your host of the Sex Actually Podcast. How's everybody doing today? Are you doing well? Are you listening to this episode before the election or after? Because that might change how you're doing. Tuesday is the day where lives are changed. You know what? Nothing's going to happen, right? We're going to get a president. It's going to be Trump or it's going to be Hillary. And then we're just going to do the same shit. That's what's going to happen. So whether you're listening on Monday or Wednesday, by the way, if I'm wrong, you know, podcast is a new art form, if you want to call this art. But wouldn't it be interesting if like, I made some like epic prediction and then one day they're like, like they look back in the archives and like, there was this unknown comedian named Dave Neal who predicted that Bernie Sanders would overtake the government. Uh, that would be cool, right? Wouldn't we like that? Um, all right, so I've got Republican listeners, Democratic listeners, independents, lesbians, straights, transgendered, bi-curious. How are you all? Are you doing okay? Um, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself today. Today, I am on day six of an all-male group trip to Scottsdale, Arizona, a home of cactuses everywhere. Is it cactuses or cacti? I'm not sure. Um... I am, if you can tell, my voice is pretty much gone. I am sitting out in the backyard of this house that we rented. So basically, uh, if you listen to the last episode, which you should have, uh, it was a great episode I did with um, a couple of my baseball teammates, Andy Lazarus and Ari uh, Zagaris, is that his name? Uh, we had such a good conversation. Uh, at a bar- We were at a barbecue, and we decided to turn the podcast on and just talk. And we were going to go for like 20 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever. And we ended up talking for an hour straight. And I love conversations like that where you just get lost in the actual conversation and don't worry about all the other things. How often is it that you have a conversation with somebody? And honestly, if it weren't for this podcast, I don't know if I would. I don't know if people actually talk for that long anymore. But what happens is you just get into real shit. You know, you do the surface dance. You start building trust. One person tells a story about... They're dead dad, and then the other person tells a story about their dead dad, and next thing you know, you you have a bond, and we created a bond at that moment. I don't know if you guys could feel it listening, but I had no idea that Andy, you know, his dad died when he was three, and then he had his this whole, like, stepdad experience, and then I had this whole stepdad experience when my dad was just, like, missing. <laughs> you know, like I, I had no idea where he... I thought my dad lived in Alaska, because that's the last place my mom knew where he was living. So I always had this just, like, thought that my dad was just riding, you know, uh, dog sleds, which in fact was true. Um, but then I found out he was in St. Louis and I was like, Oh, my dad's just a redneck. No offense to my Missouri listeners, but, um, he, my dad's a Hoosier. He was out there with just a burnt red nose. We have, I, I got his nose. We are some big nosed white men. Um, anyway, that when I met him, I was like, I need to wear sunscreen cause his skin looks horrible. Um, <laughs> Why don't, why don't men wear sunscreen or moisturizer? What's wrong with us? Guys, get out there. Get your sunscreen and your moisturizer on. Put on your eye cream at night. No one wants puffy eyes. We don't need that shit. We can look pretty too, men. Take it back. Take back the pretty. Anyway, you're wondering when this intro is going to end. It's not. I'm doing an episode today by myself. I decided yesterday, I was like, you know what? Who should I talk to next? And I've got some great uh, guests lined up, but today was really about me just talking to y'all, talking to y'all out there, and part of talking to y'all is talking to myself. 
So I just got a cup of coffee and a couple notes, and we'll just go over a few things, if that's okay with you. So there might be a quick moment of silence here and there while I sip on my coffee. But yeah, tell you about this trip that I'm on. There's 30 of us men on this trip, and we go. This is my second year going. It's a competitive baseball league, which everyone thinks, oh, he plays softball. No, these guys play ball. We have guys that were drafted. I got, here's the coolest thing. I got to play with a guy who played AAA for the Atlanta Braves. That's as close as you can get to being a major league baseball player. He's still professional. You know, still make good money doing that. But, you know, his, his ticket never got called, and he just, um, you know, he eventually... Uh, got passed up and didn't make it to the pro didn't make it to the uh, major leagues and now he's going to school he's got a couple kids he's a cool dude and i mean what about how crazy are those experiences it's um it's interesting because i feel like the road of um of a baseball player is sort of like the road of a stand-up comedian like we have this one guy on the team chris valencia he he's a cool he's one of the best hitters i've ever seen he's 29 and obviously he's not going to go pro if he hasn't yet. It's just not going to happen. He got passed up by different major league teams. He was drafted, uh, then cut. He just fell through the cracks. Well, he's, he's so cool. Cause he's actually going to Mexico this week to play in a, um, in the, in a Mexican, we have a guy in a Mexican league, a guy in the Can-Am, the Canadian American independent league. These guys just keep on playing ball cause it's what they know how to do. And, you know, you think of the, you think of pro baseball players and it's just like dudes that have made it, but, they're, that's just the tip of the iceberg to guys living their passion. And it's the same way with stand-up comedians. There must be a million out there that never, quote-unquote, made it to that level of success where you see like a Louis C.K. And, and I always wonder, like, what's their journey? What's their journey like spiritually for them to have that sort of struggle? Because we see people, I don't know like what you guys do out there. Maybe, you know, write in, tell me what you do for jobs. We see people out there that like, most corporate jobs, there's a general structure. You know, you work in this job for a year and a half. You get promoted to this position. This salary is normal. Then you go up to this. Uh, with the creative work, there's really no rhyme or reason. It's just a big fucking flea market of buyers and sellers. And you just don't know when your time's going to get called. And it doesn't... It's just... it's in one, in one way, it's fair. And then one way, it's not. It doesn't feel fair when someone who's not... You know, someone who's less experienced than you gets called up to to a project or to write for a TV show or to, if their podcast becomes a hit. It doesn't feel fair. But you know what you never look at when you get things early in life and pass somebody else? Like, you, we, like, do you guys do this? I just naturally, maybe it's just the competitiveness inside me. I only compare myself to people that get more than me. I never compare myself to people that get less. It's not a healthy thing. You know, we're supposed they say put your blinders on, stick in stay in your lane and just do your own work, but it's tough. And it and you know what hasn't made it easier is social media. It just it's how do we keep social media for all the good things? Like looking at my, you know, nephew's photos that my sister posts. How do we keep it for all that shit? Say, you know, happy birthday to friends that we haven't seen in a while. But but lay off the sort of jealousy and resentment that we have when somebody else gets on a sitcom and, and we're in a backyard in Arizona podcasting by ourselves. And, and by all means, trust me right now, I'm in a good head state. Like I'm, I'm trying to be honest with my thoughts and not, um, and not hide them. Be like, no, I, I, I don't, it doesn't bother me. It, it phases me. It phases me when, you know, you're looking at your, 
uh, your credit card bill and you're like, man, I'm working really hard right now. What, what the fuck's going on? What's happening? Like where, you know, with, with this joke writing industry, with stand up, you know, every, every hit joke that we write, you don't get paid for it right away. It's not like a factory where you just fire out a tweet and you get paid. It's a long business. And in, and in this business, you almost don't make your money till you're headlining. So, so people, for those that don't know stand up, you, you spend eight to 10 years before you even think of headlining. And it doesn't mean that like you shouldn't be trying your hardest, you know, someone, you know, some, some famous um, actors had this quote, like you should, you should pursue uh, acting the way a man with his head on fire pursues a pool of water. And that's the way you kind of have to pursue life. I don't know if all jobs out there give the competitive edge where like you have to work that hard, but with stand up. And with other things in the industry, acting, writing, it's like you have to be creative and work all the time because you don't know what's going to stick. And it's not necessarily just about throwing random shit at the wall to see what sticks. It's about putting yourself out there to a place where you're okay with failure because a lot, so many things, projects, jokes fail. And you have to say, well, you know, looked good on paper, felt good to me. I'm just going to keep on chugging along. But that's not easy. It's not easy with relationships when, you know, some people want relationships before they, they come and some people aren't ready for the ones that they have. Um, I wouldn't say I'm not ready for the relationship that I have. I would just, I would just say I'm blindly pursuing it. I don't know what to do next. <laughs> I don't know. I, don't, I have no fucking clue how I'm supposed to... Um, become engaged i think that's the next step and i don't mean that in a well we've been dating for x amount of years we should become engaged no like i i think i found my soulmate i could be wrong i could be um you know find some you know i always tell tasha like you know you, you could fool me people get fooled uh i could fool you we, you know maybe we fall apart whatever but i think it's okay that i don't think it's cryptic to talk like that i think it's okay to say hey you know i got you babe you got me Today we're great. Tomorrow we're great. We've been every day, every day, week, month has been better than the last. And the trust keeps opening up. And as long as that's all happening, we're moving in the right direction. We've had times in our relationship where, you know, one week where we have a bad week, we have a bad fucking week. I don't think we've ever had a bad month, but we've had weeks where like that shit just doesn't reset at the end of the night. And for me personally, with relationships, I hate when bullshit is carried on. I hate when I like haven't resolved an issue. And with Tasha, it's, it can be hard for us to resolve certain issues because until we get to the core of the issue, it's the scab's not going to be healed. And I've learned that and it's really sped up the process, but in a way that's in a healthy way, like no, no point in speeding up the apology. If the, if, if both parties aren't fully on board and, um, and it's built so much trust in in learning what causes our fights. And and the more I learn, the more it's, you know, and I've had people say, look, if you're fighting, you're probably not right for each other. And I, I disagree. I think there, you know, to create fire, you, it takes a lot of friction. And um, boy, we're creating some fucking fires. We have a lot of friction. We have a lot of... Um, core like our core beliefs are all pretty much intact together lined up but we have a lot of friction on how to get there we're like it's a scary place i mean 
I, for all I imagine, she sees me as this bachelor who f- is settling down for the first time and worries that I'm going to be sick of her. And that's hard for me to realize, like, as a guy, it's like, no, you're, you're great. You're a, you're a once in a lifetime catch. You're, you're my soulmate. You're my, you know, I, I use the term Anamkara. Anamkara is the Irish term for soulmate, basically. It's like a soul friend. And, um, <clears throat> I believe that we have soul friends that, you know, we haven't seen in this lifetime. I know it sounds super like weird or spiritual, but do you guys feel that way? You ever meet somebody and you just feel like, holy shit, like I know this person already. I've had that with this podcast. I had that with the guest when I had Jenna Brister on. Uh, right, Jenna, if you're listening? I, I just felt like I really understood you. Like we had this eye-to-eye sort of trust and like it, it, was, just a sa- it was just a safe conversation. There's, there's just people that, that pull that out of each other. And, and I don't know, if you, if you feel that with somebody, whether it's friends, family, or stranger, or a lover, you just got to pursue that because it's like we're all, we really are all out here and there's no randomness as far as I'm concerned. I have this weird trend that's happened with my childhood friends. <clears throat> Very interesting. Most of my childhood friends growing up didn't have fathers. And I don't think that was too common when I look back at, uh, you know, it's, I'm not saying most of my childhood friends, their parents were happily married, but they all had fathers. My buddy Joel, um, his dad died, I think of like drinking alcohol when, when, before I met him. So he grew up, which is a single mom, my buddy, Jared, his mom, I think now, like I just had a casual relationship with her dad. So like once she got pregnant, I'm pretty sure he never you know, he never stuck around. So like this guy never met his dad. Me, I never met my dad growing up till I was an adult. So it was interesting. It was like, are we like all experiencing the same sort of like questions and yearning for a father figure? And I know, I know we do like whenever someone's got an issue, you know, people like, Oh yeah, that's of course you didn't have a dad. And from, you know, most stand up comedians have either a father that abandoned them or a mother that hugged them too much. Um, that's pretty much what they say happens. Either either you're fucked up because your dad abandoned you or your mom hugged you too much. Um, and I had both. (laughs) Um, so, so for me, it was like, you know, growing up before, you know, internet existed growing up before, you know, I didn't have cable TV. We had some, that shitty, we had a TV in the basement in Rhode Island, which is, you know, nine months out of the year, very humid, you know, uh, state so like we we would watch we'd only watch tv on friday nights we'd watch tgif thank goodness it's friday you know you guys remember tgif and um we would like bring blankets down to the basement but like the blankets would literally be like damp by the time we were done watching tv because it was just disgusting anyhow i didn't have the dis the you know it was a very boring household growing up it was my older sister my mom and myself and my older sister refused to get along with my mom and vice versa. They just couldn't be happy together. My mom was probably uh, trying to mother correctly my sister and was very critical of her. I don't think my mom was really critical of me, which is interesting that moms, I don't think they pass that trait down to their sons, but um, they they certainly pass it down to their daughters. Ladies listening, am I right? Did you guys have a mom that was like on your ass about shit? You know, and the the honest truth is, I feel like moms don't want their daughter to turn out to be some like girl who's not 
who doesn't you know feel respected by you know who doesn't respect her body and who you know you, you just don't want to damage your kid that's basically it but in doing that sometimes i think you damage them by over over mothering over protecting and kids like forever will just want to go play in traffic like we'll we'll always want to just like escape the grips of our parents and anyhow i didn't have that sort of um I didn't have that mom, but my sister did. So my sister and my mom, there's always tension. You're always walking on eggshells. My sister always had something to say. Uh, simply put, she was a bitch. And she still possesses that trait with my mom, but at least they don't live together. And I hope that they spiritually find a way to, like my mom has to find a way to not, you know, offer too much advice to my sister's ki- about my sister's kids. Like as a grandmother, she has to just like, kind of let things happen and just be there and not be over motherly. And it, it eats her up because all she wants to do is like te- is like bestow her wisdom to, to her uh, offspring, basically. Any, anyway, so I grew up in a tight, quiet, anxious household until my mom met my stepdad. And it is the craziest relationship ever because, you know, we talk about friction. My stepdad is the most charismatic guy I've ever met. He is he is a contractor, does heating and air conditioning on, on the island that where I'm from, Aquidneck Island, Newport, Rhode Island. It's a you know, home to maybe fifty thousand people. So it's a big island, but it's it's also very inclusive because there are a couple bridges to get off the island, but a lot of people stay there. So he's literally done the air conditioning and heating for like every house on the island, every business, everybody knows him. So I was I was coming from this childhood. <clears throat> I was very quiet. I was very quiet as a child. Um, a lot, very observant. Didn't talk much. And then all of a sudden, my mom meets this guy, and he knows everybody everywhere we go. Hey, Luke, how are you? Hey, how's it going? What's happening? And he's just this jolly guy. And I decided. I remember. I remember the moment in fifth grade. I met I met him in fourth grade. I remember in fifth grade. I want to be like Luke. I want to be the guy that everyone knows that we shoot the shit with each other. This positive, it was just energy I never felt before, and I don't know. I don't. I don't know if anyone else has this experience where like they had this positive role model where they like I literally, I think my life changed that moment. I was like, oh, I can smile when I walk into a room. I can, and it sounds so. It sounds so pathetic talking like this, but. I, uh, yeah, I was like, I can be, I can be a guy that like has this positive energy and it pulls the positive out of other people. And we're so reflective as humans with our energy. We're like, we are so deeply like mirrored in who we are that when a negative energy walks in, it's like, you want to run away from that person. Well, imagine the positivity when you walk in, learning that changed, changed my life. And it. It helped me meet people like, and and it's a, it's actually one of the main pieces of advice that um, that they say like you know if you want to go meet a girl at a bar or wherever you want to meet a stranger you got to walk into the room with a smile and it sounds cheesy to say but it's it's like so true you got to walk into the room and just light the fucking place up and if that means reading a funny joke like right before like right as you walk out of your car or you know what I mean like you have to 
present that version of yourself. It's not fake. Don't, it's not a, you know, chicks will eat away at that fake grin, but like really have that, like that inside joke in your head. That's just so funny. Why wouldn't somebody want to talk to you? You know, like when I get off stage at a comedy club, like I did, um, I did the stand up Scottsdale on Friday, this, this fun little comedy club. There were some girls in the front row and you know, there's, there's everyone was having fun. I mean, you come to a comedy club to have fun. Most people are there to have fun. And when you get off stage, when the show's over, the energy's so positive because everyone just shared in this experience. Everyone in the audience heard my joke. So, so they're all saying lines. They're fucking them up half the time. They're talking. They, they they're trying to do callbacks or hey, that one was great. This is that. It's like we're all part of this inside joke, and it's so easy to break the ice and talk to people because we have this thing in common that we just experienced. How do you bring that to a bar? How do you bring that to a coffee shop when you don't know the person? You don't know what their energy is like. All you can do is have this like radiant, positive, outward energy. In the right people it will attract. That's how I met my girlfriend. I met Tasha. I've, you know, for those of you, you know, listening, you've probably heard parts of this story before. I met her on a, um, on a bus ride to a TV show we were both doing background on called Mildred Pierce. It's a TV show that's shot in New York. Um, with like uh it was a mini series for hbo it was a period piece it was like takes place in the 1920s or something and we all have to get on a bus at like 5 a.m and it's a private bus but we all knew to meet at the right spot get on the bus hey i'm dave they check you off whatever and i was just i had my coffee i was super loud i was probably my energy level was probably a little too high because i was probably coming off like a douche so um you got to make sure you don't you know you got to rein it in a little bit folks don't come off as a douche but um i but we ended up you know, we ended up talking later that day and she, uh, even though she'll probably never admit it, I'd like to think she found me as like a friendly person and we both, we weren't even considering relationships. You don't even have to be in that place is what I'm saying. Like we weren't, you know, I wasn't trying to pick her up. She had a boyfriend and she looked like such a bitch. Uh, are we not allowed to use that term? She was, she wasn't happy. She was having a tough day. And, um, and I was in the place and it sounds creepy to say, like, compare her to my sister. But it, it was like my childhood. Like, I was like, I can make this girl happy. I'll make her, I'll crack her smile. And this was years before I ever tried stand-up. But it's that same challenge now. I'd be like, oh, yeah, you're not happy? Okay. You don't think I can deal with that? I did 15 years as a kid with an unhappy family. I'm going to break you. I'm going to get in there and find out what makes you laugh. And I swear I made her smile. I made her laugh that day. And I fucking live for that moment. I live for the moment when I can connect with somebody on a level because laughter to me is agreement laughter means yeah that is funny that i do that too oh my dad does that and it's a way to bond and connect with people i use laughter to connect with people there's other ways but that's how i and now i've got this family i'm gonna take a breath here i'm out of breath hold on i'm sipping a coffee i got this family that i don't get to see every day now living on the other side of the country but we get like I get to go home this year for Thanksgiving for the first time in three years since I moved out west because I never Thanksgiving just is not not a good time to travel and I get to go home and and be the best version of myself and experience the best version of my family and that's what it's all about and with relationships it's hard to untangle our dating lives from our family lives because we are who we grew up and we're supported by we we are the result of our parents or lack thereof of our siblings of our aunts and uncles and i was raised by a tribe and even though it was a little like stressful and quiet 
my mom found a guy that caused friction with her and in a way that challenged her. We, we rented homes growing up. You know, my mom never did, had the child support. She, she didn't have any contact with my father. We were just always kind of like, she, she worked in sales. So she worked as long as she needed to work to hit her, hit her goals. And we kind of grew up with babysitters and, you know, it was, it was a little, little bit of a lonely childhood, but I, but I always knew from the, you know, from my earliest ages that my mom was working her ass off. She was working as hard as she could. So when she met my stepdad, it was the first time she had this sort of, I would say like enlightenment as a woman that she trusted she didn't have to be the sole provider. And it took a little bit of time. And I remember my stepdad telling me, I remember this as a kid, it was like 11. I remember him saying, you know, it's not always, it's not always a good character trait to be too independent. And I was like, I didn't, I was like, what are you talking about? You know, cause it, I'm like, my mom's independent. It's independence. It's, it's great. It's good. Being independent is good. And, and he's like, yeah, it's, it's good. But also know when you can be dependent on somebody else. Know, know when they've, they're in a safe place and you, they've got your trust. And that's kind of what codependency is. It's, it's built into our genetics to be a survival tactic. Now, there are toxic levels of codependency, which we experience all the time with, you know, social media, jealousy, uh, you know, instant communication, wanting to hear back from your boyfriend. Oh, why she tagged into this place? She said she wasn't going there. Lies, this and that. Codependency can be bad, but at the same time, a healthy level leaning up against... Um, your lover leaning up against your family should be okay. Those are the people that we either have chosen to be with or the family that we are stuck with. And you don't, you, you, you have to live in a certain level of trust. So my mom was at a place where like she had already left my father when she was pregnant with me. This, this, this lady was hard nosed and my stepdad had to kind of break that down and be like, no, you can trust me. I'm going to help you buy your first house. We're going to, I'm going to help you do these things. I'm going to be there for you. And he didn't need any of it. He, as a man, was divorced, two kids. He didn't need to like start and help this family. And he was so charitable and to this day still is. The amount of, I mean, I've never had him turn down a phone call looking for help. I've never ever, anytime I've had, and it's, and it's interesting. It's not a guy I'm connected to genetically. It's a guy that chose to be a good dad and a good role model. And I look back now as, as really looking at him as the, as one of the main reasons I am who I am today. And it's, and it's purely with respect and love that I've, you know, been able to, I'm I'm just so glad I've been able to look at him as almost like a mentor growing up. It's like, oh, I, I like this. So I don't know if you guys have that same experience. I just wanted to share it with you all today. Um, it's interesting. You know, like my mom, I respect the shit out of her too. Like, you know, we talk about the election. She's running for town council. My mom got into politics on a local level, and that's a lot what like Bernie Sanders and other certain politicians say you have to do. Like if you don't like how things are going, you have to change it on a local level. And um, she, she's fucking running for town council, which I think I love. And uh, if anyone's listening from Portsmouth, Rhode Island, go vote for Connie. Um, she's such a hard nosed woman. She, we, the reason that she got into politics is we, we live in this like little neighborhood, lots of woods. There's really not much around. It's on the Island. So you can see the water, but it's like pretty far away. We're like in the middle of the Island. And, Across the street, there's an open lot of land, and Target was going to come in and build 
a um, a Target, and my mom started this whole company called No Way Target, and and everyone's like, "What do you mean you can't not like Target's going to come in? They're a multinational corporation." And she was like, "No, we're not going to let them in." You know, because in in the wrong neighborhoods, big box stores are just not good. They bring the wrong types of jobs in. It's really bad for the environment because they just, you know, they just set up 50 acres of asphalt and run off and, and this and that and, and um, cor- yeah, crime and any anyhow, traffic. And we live in a small town. So my mom's like, no, it's not going to happen. So she created an organization and actually, after a while, was able to get them to to stop their bid. So my mom, she single-handedly prevented that and then... It's created new legislator that uh, legislation that capped off how big a business can be in our town. We we live in we live in small town USA. We're not in big box. We're not in a big box town. But if you let in a Target, then next thing you know, you have a Best Buy, you have this, you have that. Anyhow, um, if they're ever going to sponsor us, um, so <laughs> I'll take Target as a sponsor. Um, hitting the bullseye today. No, so so um, because of that, the. Um, an editor of a magazine heard my mom's story and he was writing a book on democracy and he wrote a chapter on her because that was true democracy. What my mom did, she, she rallied the town around the idea that this is bad business for us. And she created, um, she created a nonprofit called preserve Portsmouth that, um, preserves a lot of the, uh, the landscapes and, and areas of our town from, from the wrong types of development. And it's just cool. So like big shout out to my mom. I just, I'm just proud. I'm proud that she's come so far from being a mom, a single mom in her young twenties to, to having this, you know, empire of a family, you know, she's, she's, she really is the matriarch. And, uh, while, while she, she is, she is a businesswoman at heart. She really, she really does enjoy being the, kind of the magnet that pulls us all together and 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 as i talk about friction you know my stepdad saw that in her and he wanted to be a part of it he saw her strong independence and he wanted to carve out a part where she relied on him and now they work together as a team and they're great and i wonder in my own version how how that will end up for me i wonder with my girlfriend tasha who's always on the podcast you guys know her you know, we, we chirp a bitch at each other. We, we get at each other's throats. Uh, we love each other. And, uh, you know, you guys probably get more of the me complaining because it's, it's more fun to complain about the little things. But, um, I'm on six days on this man trip and I'm having some good self, uh, reflection. And I was, you know, I was wondering who I was going to have on the episode today. And I said, you know what? I think I can do this by myself. I think today I've got enough coffee in me to just share these thoughts with you guys. So as I sit here at this mansion that they rented for us for this baseball tournament, um, which by the way is just in ruins, five days, six days into a trip with all guys, there's bowls of cereal underneath couches. There's towels on top of furniture. Um, there's just like chili and pots uh it, you don't even go in the bathroom there's just shit everywhere um what would we do without women to really uh keep things in order i'll have to take a photo of how how destructive i tried walking through the kitchen and just socks my sock got stuck to the floor <laughs> i felt like i was in a mouse trap that's how disgusting this place is so um I'm I'm looking forward to getting back to real life civilization. It was a blast. It was a blast hanging out with guys and I'm really glad that my my lady like understands um the sort of power of, you know, ha- having other hobbies, going outside of the relationship to sort of like to be able to come back stronger. And 
and that's actually how I think relationships get, you know, strength, you know, re- really build that bond is by doing other things. It's It sounds so counterintuitive, but it's by doing other things that we grow as individuals and we bring, we bring back a new either frame of mind to the relationship, you know, so I encourage people listening. I know, I know some people have written in that are listening and they've said, you know, like they've wondered, Hey, how do I, you know, what do I, how do I get the spark back? You know, there's, there's nothing like having sex with a new partner. There's nothing like that bond, that, that instant high you get from going on a good date, you know, and, and in a relationship you lose that. But what you gain is, is a different level of respect and it is, and we have to continue to grow as individuals uh, or else will be passed up by the others. So with like, I want my girlfriend to keep growing in, in her career and her passions and her side projects. And I want to keep growing myself. And then we in return support each other through the ups and downs of that journey. That's that to me is the the dependence that I search for, not the jealousy, but the, the ability to lean and have a co I just have a partner to really strategize with. And anyhow, that's, it's hard to do. It's hard to do in our, in our career paths because, you know, we, we have to face ultimately success and failure alone, but um, having someone there to sort of like root up for us is that's the path guys. So I'm here to root for you guys. I'm going to, I'm going to cap this episode on the earlier side. Cause I don't want to, I don't, I didn't want this to come off ranty. I just wanted to sort of explain where my head's at. Cause now I'm in my young thirties. Now in my twenties, my priorities were so different. And now I've got this, hyper competitiveness with my job that that I, I have to remember that what good is the success if we don't have people to share it with. So I'm, I'm, I've been very fortunate the last several years to have um, this podcast and to also be able to share it with um, those that are close to me. And it's grown so much. And it's from people like you that listen and, you know, you know, some episodes this might not be for some people, you know, you might not, you know, I love when people say, Hey, you know what? Like I listened back to this old episode and it really hit me, you know, things I love that they can just live out there. And some episodes, you know, scroll through the list, you know, like I had a, I had a buddy who texted me and he's like, Hey, uh, I, um, I'm feeling super depressed lately. Do you, what do you have on, what do you have on depression? And I was like, Oh, one, episode 154. <laughs> because you know, some, you know, we, we just tackle different topics and you know, maybe this, maybe this was just here for a couple of you guys. Maybe it resonated. Maybe it didn't. Maybe I'm just jibber jabber. And as you're on your way to your job that you don't like, well quit. Okay. Quit your job. If you don't like it, you know, pursue the passion that you love pursue. I, I got fired from my job my first job out of college. So I, I was lucky enough to get fired so I could pursue the right passion, but I was running in the wrong direction And the universe. Let me know real fast. Cause I was stubborn and I wasn't going to quit. I was going to try to keep this job and make it work and really fight for it and this and that. And then, you know, next thing you know, I got a box of my personal goods that I had to clean my desk out with and, and walk home and cry to my mom and tell her that I'm a failure. And that was at the age of 22. And now I'm nine years later and I'm pursuing the fuck out of what I want, which is creativity, which is sharing, which is self-growth and making people laugh. So this episode probably didn't make you laugh too much, but that's what the stand-up's for. So come out to a show um, and keep on writing in, guys. I've got some I'll, – I'll, I'll actually uh, – no, I don't I – got, I, got, I got an email that someone wrote. I'll save it for next episode. But people are asking some great questions. You know, we got people – 
that are that are really challenging the gray area of relationships as far as how what they can do to make things right to keep relationships passionate uh to keep friendships alive uh, that's what we're here for folks we're not i'm not i don't I'm, i don't have the answers but we're here to talk it out cuz you know we are uh raising each other up in a tribe and that's a, that's what we, that's our generation our generation is uh more about figuring it out in a group setting so that's what the podcast is for we're figuring it out folks so I figured this out. Um, I did one by myself. So we made it work. Hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Let me know. Um, you can you can let me know if you didn't like this too. Um, but just be be nice. I had a chick. That, <laughs> I have the I have the Instagram account Sex Actually Pod, and I've been trying to create more stories. You know, like it's like the Snapchat version where you just talk some video. And some girl responded to my video and told me that my beard isn't sexy. And I, and my response was, what the fuck does that have to do with this account? Like, what are you doing? And then, and then, and it turns out she was like speaking broken English. So I think she wasn't trying to be as rude as she was, but I was like, man, you real? are you judging my podcast on my looks? What is wrong with you? And then I was like thinking, Oh shit. If girls have to deal with one, you know, with 10 times what I was dealing with, then that fucking sucks. So I don't have a answer to, to that. I just felt like shit. I was like, what are you doing? I was, it was early in the morning. I don't have makeup on. I'm not a, I'm not wearing eyeliner. I'm just sending out a selfie video. If you don't like it, just don't watch it. You fucking weirdo. Um, anyhow, thank you guys for listening to this. I didn't want to end it on a negative note. Leave me a comment, positive, negative, just be kind if it's negative. Be constructive. How about that? Leave me a positive comment on the Sex Actually Pod page. Let me know what you think. I know everyone always like tells me when they have like like a guest, but in this episode, I am your guest, suckers. So we've got some great people coming on the show. We're every Monday and every Friday. The growth has been great. We're still we uh, we hit a plateau at the the reviews, so we need more people to write in reviews. Do your boy a favor, write us a review. All you have to do is search Sex Actually in your podcast app, then click on the icon for sex. Actually click reviews, click write a review, leave me a fun review, make it five. If it's not five stars, don't leave a review. How about that? If you don't feel this is five stars, leave me an email and let me know why. But um, we're trying to get positive reviews here and it's been great. We, um, we had 14,000 downloads this month. That's so fucking fantastic. Four months ago, we were at 3,500 downloads. So we've literally quadrupled our numbers. Thanks to you guys. Keep sharing it with your friends. Um, and, and let let me in. Let me let, let Uncle Dave get nosy, right? Let me into your life. Let me know what you're struggling with. Let me know what is going well. I want to I want to hear about it. Uh, I, I've loved the people that have connected, uh, the strangers that have connected. They've slid into the old DMs on Instagram, and they've shared a lot with me. And it's 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 helping me grow. You guys are helping me out. So anyhow. Thank you guys so much. Have a great week. I hope uh, hope we connected, and uh, we'll see you on Friday. This is Sex Actually, your boy Dave.